Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome everyone to the Really 007 podcast. I'm Tom Pickup and we're here for this exclusive interview with Guts Otto. As you can see, he's with us now. Good evening, Guts. Good evening. Yeah. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. According to your little mail, I thought, holy shit, they're not doing that in German, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to show that I did speak a tiny bit. Ambition. What? Oh, it sounded uh, yeah. a bit like, like Google Translator or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, so, well... Might have had a help, I think, handling that, Guts, yeah. And of course, Guts is famous for playing Herr Richard Stamper in one of our favourite Bond films, Tomorrow Never Dies. Now, you can watch all our interviews on our YouTube channel, including uh, interviews with many actors and people behind the camera of the James Bond films. You can also listen to our episodes on iTunes and Spotify. Please subscribe and leave a lovely review if, if you would. That would be great. Thank you. Anyway, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can find daily interaction between Bond fans all over the world, including the EU. Good. Yes. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Great that you mentioned that, because it's, yeah. I feel invited now. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> we, we try not to get political on this show, but uh, just saying you're welcome. So. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so today... With me, I have regular contributor, John Kell. Hello. And we also have a special guest who's been with us on many occasions now. We've got David here, also known as Licensed to Queer. Hiya, folks. Great to be here. I'm, I'm just warning you in advance, I get very, very kind of, you know, I can talk for England, but I get very starstruck. Very, yeah, that's where I am at the moment. I'm sure I'll warm up in a minute. <laughs> I've never seen David at a loss for words before. So. I know, you know, 10 and a half hours of Diamonds Are Forever review, and I, 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 I'm I, struggling with words right now. <laughs> oh, damn it. We have to do something there. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Gertz, of course, has, has been acting for over 30 years, I believe, and he's played a huge variety of parts on stage and screen, including Downfall, The Pillars of the Earth, and Iron Sky. But we, as we say, of course, know him best for 
the brooding henchman, Hesh Dumper, in Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> a good Abend. You know, my character originally wasn't German at all. Oh, Oh, right. No, not at all. This is um, because the Bruce Fierstein, who wrote the script to Tomorrow Never Dies, stayed at the Landmark Hotel in London when he was working on the script. And the manager the, of the hotel was called Richard Stamper, and he oh. was from South Africa. So Stamper is not a German name at all. So they created mine. My character was named after the, the manager of the hotel, of the Landmark Hotel, and was originally, even in the script, it was, I was South African. Jonathan Price came up with the idea, some of, since I'm failing all the time, he said so much for German efficiency. And he brought that back. He brought, he made this character actually German, which, um, which was fun. You know what's really strange? Like, we were just joking just before you arrived, dead on time, that we were... John was almost hoping you'd you'd arrive a bit late so we could try out that line on you. To say just... <laughs> okay, so well, hold on a second. I'll, go ahead. Go on, John. You get... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting I'm you, getting stage fright now. Me now. But I can't listen to <laughs> you anymore. So uh, try whatever you want to do. I'll I'll be Elliot Carver then. So much for German efficiency. There we go. John? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stamper, will you please kill those? Anyway, this is a family friendly podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, David's warmed uh, up. But I was uh, on the nose, uh, eight o'clock my time. So. So much for German efficiency, guys. So much for German <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Mr. Stumper. Brilliant. Yeah, so I suppose start just by asking you a few questions about your beginning. So how, how did you sort of get into acting as a young man? How did I get into acting? I was in the German national rowing team when I was young. And, um, and in Germany, we had the, you either had to join the army or the social service. You had to go. It was uh, mandatory at the time. Now it's, it's not anymore. But I didn't want to, me playing Richard Stemper, I didn't want to have a gun. I don't, didn't want to shoot people or something like that. <laughs> I was very peaceful, still am. So I didn't want to do that. I had a knee injury due to my uh, rowing thing. And I fled to Berlin because Berlin uh, was um, the German authorities were not allowed to write letters or enter, or do anything in uh, Berlin because it was under the status of the four victorious uh, members of World War II. So I, I went to Berlin and and I thought, well, now I have uh, I have gained, I don't know, it was I think it was 18 months at the time, uh, have uh, gained 18 months. And I, well, what shall I do with that? And I, uh, I never had anything to do, anything to do with uh, with acting, but I I found a book about a, a drama school in Germany. I thought, well, that sounds great. This is something I could do with the, with those eighteen months because it's like teaching yourself how to speak, how to walk, how to communicate, how to argue. Lots of things that might help you in your in your uh, upcoming life. So I tried to attend for. Uh, German drama school, what I didn't know at the time was that you have a thousand people who are trying to get one of 10 places in those kind of schools. So I I, I did that uh, in a 
couple schools, actually nine drama schools in Germany. And during that time, I realized this could be a fantastic job. This could be my job. This is what, uh, how I want to make a living. And I ended up in Munich drama school. And ever since, um, I can feed me and my family with that fantastic job. I always say it's the greatest and the best job in the world if I have one. <laughs> so what were your first kind of roles? Did you, did you start on the stage? Actually, one of my first roles, this is not, I'm not, I'm telling the truth here, was in, in Schindler's List. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I was, I was still in drama school and I, I, I very often, I was very often, I was in Vienna and uh, I came home. That was still, that was pre-cell phone time, obviously. And I came home to my, to my flat and my roommate say, said, uh, told me that somebody from Vienna called. And I thought, well, hmm, somebody from Vienna called, hmm, must have been from my former times. I don't know. And I didn't answer the phone for about, oh, didn't the phone call, didn't call him back for about a week or 10 days or so. And then I thought, well, maybe why not? I should give him a call because his name was Fleischhacker, which is Meat Hacker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you calling Mr. Meat Hacker in Vienna? He goes, oh, okay, why not? Let's call Mr. Meat Hacker. And I call Mr. Meat Hacker and he says, uh, where'd you get that phone, phone number from? I said, well, I, you called me. No, no, I haven't called you. Where'd you get that phone number from? No, excuse me, you called me. I came back to my flat and my roommate said, no, you, and we were arguing. And they said, listen, what's it all about? And he said, it's about Steven Spielberg. And I went, oh, it's about <laughs> fuck Steven Spielberg. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Unfortunately, the part why he called me, and it, I, it's up until now, I don't know why he called me because at the time I didn't do any, I mean, I was still in drama school, you know? And it was not a big part, but it was Schindler's List, goddammit. So the part where he called me originally uh, was gone. But two weeks later, he called me again. And then I was uh, in Krakow for, I don't know, three, four weeks and came home. And I was literally on body-generated drugs for at least half a year. It was fantastic. It was just great being part of that film and, and having experienced so many things. And um, yeah, so this is how it all began. Good start. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what was it like seeing all these incredible actors and obviously Steven Spielberg? And did you know at the time this is going to be a massive classic film that's going to win Oscars and everything? Um, well, the thing is, um, I was, um, I expected it to be because I thought Spielberg is more like a storyteller. He's telling, but at the time he did things like Jaws or what else? Um, he was uh, making e. Jurassic Park at the same time, it, wasn't he? Shouldn't which is, but, uh, he did. Bad. He, he yeah. was actually, uh, he was cutting it via satellite at the time, which is strange. This is why I did some of the um, voices of the Raptors. <laughs> Yeah, so um really? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know what? that. <laughs> I, I, I'm incredibly gullible, oh. so I'm completely taken in if that's if that's if you're having a song. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> Oh my word. Oh, anyway, so um so I expected him to be a, a storyteller, but in, in I mean he was amazing with the actors really 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 amazing for example my first day i i came in and it was actually he, he just wanted to check my costume 
And at, I didn't have it. Well, that was pre-internet. So you couldn't check what is Steven Spielberg looking like. And, you know, it's, like, it's not like today, yeah. you know. So I came to the set and I thought there was a guy with a, with long white hair. And I thought, well, that, that must be him. He looks very special. That's Steven Spielberg. But it was the props guy. Anyway, so and, and <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was looking at my costume. He was asking me, can you shoot? I said, oh, well, sure, I can shoot. I haven't, uh, as I told you, I didn't have a gun in my hand at all before. So, But if the director asks you, can you do something? You go, yeah, sure, I can do everything. You know, this is what <laughs> actors are like. So. And there's this scene where Ray Fiennes is, uh, is trying to find out who stole the chicken. And he starts to shoot. He was lining up 10 people and he starts to shoot all, everybody. And, 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 and I was so freaking fucking nervous and I was totally wired and everything. And I had to follow in, follow him and, and, and ask in German, tell you come and uh, who stole the chicken and put pressure on the people. And then he sh he's shooting the first person. And, um, and I was so freaking nervous, but I was all wired up, wired up and everything. So, and, and then, and my, they wanted me to, to shoot the the dead body on the floor so it's like boom and um after i mean he already fell down and go and, and give him the last uh the last shot so i was nervous and every normal director would go like hey come on it's just a film you know or you have that you know trying to calm you down which wouldn't work because i was i was a i don't know very young and obviously very nervous but i was full fully wired and would have taken too long to convince me to be less nervous. So what he said was, um, listen, this is a dummy down there and there's an explosion. As soon as you shoot, there will be an explosion and I don't want you to uh, get hurt. So put a hand in front of, in front of your face uh, as soon as you shoot. And plus, don't worry, I'm the camera is only on on your gun, on, on, your, on the hand. I, I don't see your face. You go there and shoot him. And what happens, it's in the film. <laughs> I do this because I'm protecting me with my hand and it looks so professional in a way. But he said, I thought I would do something. Um, you know, he tricked me. Did you see that? Yeah. 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 So he, yeah, tricked, he tricked me and it was a, and it was a, 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 there were a couple of those situations where um, he got to a certain point where he wanted to end up with the story or with the situation, or with the scene without telling everything. You know, he, he tried to, he always found ways how to, in a way, manipulate people. Uh, the actors. I'm not, nowadays. I'm not quite sure if I really like it. At the time, I thought, "Wow, that's just amazing." Mm. I can tell you more stories like that, but we're here, oh, seven wise. So, <laughs> uh, I've I've heard similar stories for when he obviously he always gets really great performances out of child actors. So, mm -hmm. like Close Encounters, I think they told the is it Barry the child character in that that. He mm -hmm. would that essentially the aliens were going in the scene, but he basically told Barry that this was the last day of the film, and that's how he kind of got him to be upset and that sort of thing. So it's interesting. I've never heard. I've heard lots of stories of about Spielberg uh, getting performances that way out of children, but 
I've never heard one from mm. from an adult. How oh, old were was... you when you? How old were you when you did Schindler's List? I was very. I was about this tall. <laughs> you were that. You were that. <laughs> I was. Yes. I. No, I was not yet fully grown. Still growing. Yeah. I was uh, drama school, so 22, 23. Yeah. Mm. Wow. wow. One of the things is being German. You, you you obviously got more chance of being cast in all these so many war films, aren't there? Um, <laughs> yeah. You've been um, in a few, I, haven't you? <laughs> I was wearing that <laughs> uniform quite, quite often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you still are. <laughs> well, you've done, obviously we mentioned Downfalls, uh, Downfall and there's Goebbels and Geduldig. That's another one. Yeah. 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 And well, and, and, and Iron Sky is, uh, yeah, well, it's, not, yeah, yeah. it's a Nazi oh. kind of thing. Uh, Goebbels and Geduldig, hold on a second. Uh, a couple, even German films. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, and I mean, and and at the end of the day, I mean, this this historical fact uh, brings German actors mm. into the parts of bad guys, evil villains, all that, because mm. the international, not only film and movie society, I mean, everybody has this in the back of his of his of his head. Germans are mean. Germans are bad. I mean, it's very hard for us to play the good guys and the and the lovers and the sympathetic people. It's more. It's more the evil guys, the, mm. the efficient do, killers. Do you think that has played, do you think that's ever been a positive for you? I mean, the story goes, you walked into the audition and said, I'm big, I'm bad, and I'm German. I, I, to I said, what extent is that actually, so that is definitely true. What is true is uh, I came back from a German film where I played a, a soldier and I had, I mean, my hair was but I was all, almost bald-headed, so... When Barbara asked me, um, she asked me, you have 20 seconds to introduce yourself. What can I say? Excuse me. <laughs> no, I can say I'm, I'm big, I'm bad, I'm bold. This is what I said. I'm German. Five seconds. Keep the rest. And I was um, actually amazed that this came out of my mouth. I mean, that was really like, what? And she smiled, I smiled. And that was my first casting. It was the first casting. So is that so so young? You were just you had so much confidence, and you thought, "I'm just going to." Well, I was fucking nervous. Let me tell you, the problem was, yeah, I was freaking nervous because when I first I met Roger Spottiswood, Debbie introduced me to Roger, and and he was asking me, "So what did you do?" I'm professionally. I said I did a lot of theater in Germany. So no, no, no. I'm talking about what did you do professionally? I said, "Yeah, I did a lot of theater in Germany." (laughs) What I mean, he wanted to squeeze any film you know big movies mm. or whatever Adam out of me and uh, I, I hadn't I mean I haven't done at the time uh, anything remarkable so that was my first meeting so I was like fuck I, this is not going this is not going well and um, then I see Barbara not very much older than I am at the, I mean still is I mean and she was gorgeous and she was behind that desk and she had long leather boots Long black leather boots. Excuse me. And she was on the phone and said, like, okay, this is the producer. Okay, this is the producer. Fuck, this is the producer. Come on, you're kidding. No, she is the producer. Okay, good, good. And she was on the phone. And she said, hold on a second. I have a very good looking German guy here. So, oh. Very good looking German guy. <laughs> Things are going better now, guys. And uh, and then she she covered the phone. She's like, "Look, yeah, twenty seconds." So and this and this came out. 
Oh, love oh. it. And then you must have heard when you heard you were cast. Was that amazing? Amazing feel. I did. I couldn't believe it actually because, um, like, lot not long ago before that happened, there was a there was a Arnold Schwarzenegger film that was meant to be shot by Verhoeven was called The Crusader, I think. And I had an end, I had, I was in contact, contact with, the, with production that went through the German DOP, who was the DOP of Das Boot. So uh, things were looking good. And it would, on the, on Friday, the 13th of April, they canceled the entire project. And then I thought, well, mm. now I'm here in London. And as soon as I'm not in front of the camera, I don't believe a thing. And um, so I mm. went through the entire procedure, went to London, I met um, peers, I met everybody, but my suits were tailored at Oswald Boateng and everything was perfect. And then first day of shooting, they bring me in six o'clock at night because we were shooting in that uh, shopping mall. I think Brendan, Brent, whatever uh, it is. Brent Cross. Brent Cross, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Brent Cross. And they brought me in six o'clock and we had to leave by four at night because then they, the, the normal thing, would, the normal All traffic the would come back. Down. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I came at six, came at six o'clock in, at night and first night I left four o'clock without doing anything. Second night, the same thing happened. And on Sunday, we had to leave by, by midnight. Eleven o'clock, I was called on set. And I saw Terry Hatcher slapping Pierce's face. That was that scene. I was like, whoo. <laughs> and the funny thing, I mean, now I'm <laughs> nobody's watching. Is anybody watching? No, I can't tell those stories. Can't yeah, I? Can, yeah. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go out of yeah. Because I don't know why she did that, but I came in when they were still rehearsing and she was slapping his face. In the rehearsals, she went like, "Bratch!" <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" And he didn't say, he didn't twinkle, he didn't say a word. He took it <sighs> as James fucking Bond. It was amazing. <sighs> we we're doing it again. We're camera moving over here. Bratch! Another one. Duke. And he came back and said, "Oh, I was fucking impressed. That was my first day on set." I always wondered how I'd feel if I ever saw you again. (sighs) Now I know. Was it something I said? How about the words, I'll be right back? What was it like to work with Pierce? Because we're we're massive Pierce Brosnan fans. And and to be honest, that, that story is just making us love him even more. So no, what was is, it like to is, work with him? He is great. He is really, I, 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 I love him. He's a fantastic human being, uh, apart from the fact that he's a great actor, but he is a very, I had so much fun with Pierce and we were parting and we had, we're actually sharing very sad moments as well, because I was uh, one of the best friends of, of Debbie, uh, of, of Barbara Broccoli was Dodi Alfayette. And um, and I met Dodie like three weeks or something like that because he was the co-producer on G.I. Jane, which I'm, 
did you know that he was a producer? I, I didn't know at the time. No, Anyways, I we were, know. I didn't know it was uh, on mainstream releases like that. That's incredible. And um, he asked me and a couple others to have a private screening of GI uh, GI Jane. It was you know not GI Joe GI Jane with uh, Demi Moore. And so I'm, uh, I, I, this is where I met him. And and on that Saturday night where that happened in Paris, I was um, I was out with Pierce and. We just left the other uh, club and got into into the car when we heard that Diana was uh, was killed. I'm not quite sure if, we, if at least we heard that there is this accident, and she was meant to come on set on Monday together with the kids. Oh, so and then we heard oh. that that Dodie died and she died and everything. So that was really that was really weird shooting that film in that situation. And also mm. you probably all remember when, when the, the funeral day and all that, it was so weird. It was so crazy. It was really, so, and we were somehow involved a bit more than just the, the normal uh, regular, per, uh, regular person. And, um, and this is, uh, I mean, this is uh, also something that is uh, bonding uh, yeah. People together when they share those mm. kind of uh, kind of ex experiences. And, yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies is my favorite of the Pierce Brosnan films, and I know you know a lot of people prefer Goldeneye, World Is Not Enough, and that kind of thing. But to me, it's really interesting what you just said that it had that sort of dynamic behind the scenes because mm. I, I I think it really does show everyone kind of at the top of their game, really. And I think probably, I mean, yeah, that must have been a quite a difficult atmosphere to work work in in some ways. And I know it was famously a really fast shoot, I think. And they were kind of rewriting things as it went. How did shooting Tomorrow Never Dies feel to you compared to your other film experiences? Well, it's very hard to compare because um, this is obviously one of the biggest shows I've ever worked on. But it was, um, especially at the time when I was not so experienced, but... Um, it was literally like that. We we were driving to the lot and Bruce Fierstein was sitting in the tent writing the scene for the day. And everything, I mean, my my script is about this and has like huge and has, I don't know, all the colors of the world. It is so colorful because we have like the yellow draft and the blah, blah, whatever. And it came to the point where they just wanted to finish the film. And I... I I had to go go see Michael Wilson and Barbara and, and tell them that I think that they're losing my character because my character is it is has to be mean he has to be brutal he has to be evil the the more the the, e, the more evil I am the better and 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 stronger is James Bond so I had to fight for my character and well and and they were listening that was also great I was wow. um and and plus, I mean, they were writing on the go, so they had the possibility to change things. Now, I'm not quite sure if that ever happened before or after. That you normally you have a script, and yeah, there are some changes, slightly changes, whatever, whatever. But I mean, it was everything was uh, it was more almost like improvising in a way. Mm. I think your character is actually one of the really well developed henchmen. I know if you like read the novelizations yeah. and things that your character has even more. So there's the thing about the pain, which is kind of a bit more developed in the next Pierce Brosnan film. But I you like your shirt, that. by the way. 
Yeah. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it reminds <laughs> me of the shirt I was That's wearing the, in the yes. films. God I was, damn it. I was, to be honest, I was, I was like two, I, I literally got in from work about an hour and a half ago and I was just like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? And then I, and I remembered, I remembered that Instagram post where I, I basically held up a, um, uh, a whisk mm-hmm. as like a chakra torture implement. And that was the first thing. And you commented on it. So it made, <laughs> It, it emboldened me to um and bless you bless you for commenting on this lunatic wearing a, wearing a stripy t-shirt i mean yes <laughs> no it's i love it okay if you'll forgive me your appearance here has forced me to move up my timetable slightly i'll leave you in the capable hands of mr stamper and his toys perhaps you'd like to see them sir the helicopter thanks good mr stamper is a protege of the late dr kaufman who was schooling him in the ancient art of chakra torture. He was like a father to me. Really? Interesting role model. According to Eastern philosophy, the body has seven chakra points. Energy centers like the heart or genitals. The purpose of these implements is to probe those organs, inflicting the maximum amount of pain, whilst keeping the victim alive for as long as possible. Dr. Kaufman's record was 52 hours. I'm hoping to break it. I would have thought watching your TV shows was torture enough. Save this one till last. When you remove Mr. Bond's heart, there should just be enough time for him to watch it stop beating. Oh. I, I was actually going to ask, I was going to kind of kind of two things, really. You know, did you work out any additional backstory for yourself in your head about this character? Because mm-hmm. I think he's really well written in the film. But also, well, I, I'm interested in the clothing as well. Yeah, yeah. You said that everything was sort of tailored for you when you got there. but. He's yes. got such a distinctive look. I wondered if you had any influence on that. First of all, when when I when I first read the script, and I, it, as I said, it changed a lot. And then I realized I'm standing around in the background a lot, staring. And I thought, well, I have to do something here. I have to. I mean, it, it's uh, people staring. It's like it's like the taste. It's a tapestry in the background. It's like no. Um, so. Um, I asked the director to give me different colors of eyes. And um, this is how the black eye came. It's a, the, the, because a, it makes the look, the, the staring more intense or more like, what the, like, like disturbing in a way. And I think that, and not a lot of people realize that it's, uh, I mean, if you watch the film, it's not, you, you don't go like, oh, come on, he has two different colors of eyes. No, you don't do that. It's like, Maybe it's irritating, but it's not so obvious. Yeah, and the, and the suits, they were all made by, by Oswald Boateng. A lovely suit. I still have them. They gave them to me, uh, and I'm still wearing them. Uh, and that still fit yeah <laughs> 25 fucking years later yeah well done. um and no that was uh, uh i think the costume designer she did a, fan, a fantastic job and and it's not easy to and a couple of things like all the um the cargo pants and all that we did like literally walking shopping in london you know, it's like it's not we're walking around and to find clothes that fit me is it's not that easy. There are not that many tall people in London. 
<laughs> apart from the Scandinavians. Can I ask you a bit about the character development? Because when I was thinking about it, I think one of the great things about Stamper is that whilst he is obviously a badass, there's an emotional connection he has with, with other characters yeah. as well. So like we think of, say, Dr. Kaufman, he's like a father to me. And, and, I, and I remember that scene at the end where battering Bond and you're shouting out the names of Kaufman and yeah. Carver. It's like that, that revenge as you're going for it. Yeah. Give us an insight into the into that emotional background and the character development with him. That'd be amazing. Well, it's way easier to have to have a reason to do bad and mean things. It's it's way easier to kill somebody if you have a reason. If you're just like, oh well, hold on a second, I'm the villain. I have to kill you. Sorry. Uh, it's like uh, <laughs> it's way easier if you have a. I mean, I would say almost everybody has an emotional background. I mean, the the. The biggest asshole has an emo emotional background, he, and very rarely you you see that. And um, I was really I, I don't know if that came from uh, originally came from Bruce Fierstein, or if if that was written or if that was developed later. But I think it's always better to have a reason to do things as an I actor, as a as a character, as a. He's hmm. such a classic Fleming character, really, because he's both say he's a, sad a sadist and a masochist. He seems to kind of get off on having the life twisted in him and, you know, whatever he's going to do for 52 hours with the implements with bits of Bond's body. Um, what was your sort of, what was your sort of affinity? Did you have much kind of connection to Bond before, before uh, taking Oh yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I was, uh, I was run over by a car and I ended up in hospital and, and my neighbor in the hospital, he had at the time, it, I think it was better, you know, the, the better cams or the, the, was it video 2000? I'm not quite sure. The, the, they were the, like huge and he had a video player in the in in the hospital and i watched at least in the hospital at the time crazy uh, at least 10 or 15 bond films because he was a real bond buff he he loved it and then he had them all so and and for me as a german actor especially at the time now that changed a bit uh, i thought well, if you want to work internationally this is the only window you can get uh, out of germany well because how can i mean normally nobody's interested german film does not travel i mean nobody's interested in german film even though some people speak german but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not, but not, not that me. many. Yeah. <laughs> I have to put the subtitles on. Sorry, I studied French. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's uh, and I thought. Well, this is a this is a good. This is probably the only possibility for a German actor to work internationally is is go via Bond. Wow. This is uh, pretty early. I realized that, and and uh, I'm not quite sure if I even was in the acting business when I thought. That, when I had that thought, like you say, we've we mentioned some of the German roles. Downfall is massive, you know. In in England, it's so well known. Mm. So some of them, particularly for those memes, 
I'm sure you've seen yeah, it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> all the all the spoofs and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fagerline, Fagerline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wir können den Gruppenführer Fegelein nirgendwo finden. Er ist nicht in der Bunkeranlage. Was soll das heißen? Sie können Fegelein nicht finden. Dann suchen Sie ihn eben. Ich will Fegelein sehen. Sofort. Wenn er sich ohne Befehl entfernt hat, ist das Fahnenflucht. Verrat. Bringen Sie mir Fegelein. 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 Was it through the German industry connections that you got involved in Cloud Atlas, which is oh, one of my all-time favorite movies? I have no idea why that movie got critically maligned. Yeah. Okay, well, probably. I'm not quite sure if that that it probably went through Germany, yeah. And uh it's very sad because I had two other parts in the film that had been edited out oh, because nice. so many characters um, so many yeah. uh, actors had uh, um more than one part and it yeah. came back and everything. Mm -hmm. But um yeah that was uh that was strange i it's um, i ha i watched that film quite often and plus who i had the possibility to read the script but it was <laughs> very i i'm i'm probably too I, i'm still i'm probably too german and too structured to understand what was going on <laughs> <laughs> There was a German co-director, wasn't it? I was I was mangling yeah, yeah. his name, sorry. So Tom Tickver, is that right? Tom Tickver, yeah, Tom Tickver. Yeah, yeah. No, I love his films. And you've played Richard III recently. Yeah, you? just yeah, uh, so yesterday was my last performance. Oh, oh really? Oh, this for this year, Richard. I'm a Shakespeare addict. One of Shakespeare, he's like one of Shakespeare's greatest villains, and I've seen that play so many times. But he's not used. Go watch I, our version. It's fantastic. I really, I see, I, if I could travel to Germany, <laughs> you know, I would. I would definitely, even if it was in German, I, you know, I'd, I'd just sit there for three hours and love it probably. But you know, I, I'm having trouble kind of squaring. I have read a few of the German reviews that have described your your performance as Richard III as seductive, and I'm just like, I can't square that with what I think of when I think of Richard III. <laughs> So it's you know you know is that what you were going for a seductive, seductive. Richard III one of one of Shakespeare's greatest monsters? Uh, well, no. The thing is, a couple of years ago, I did Don Quixote in Hamburg. Oh. A direct uh, a directed. It comes to me. Former assistant of Peter Brook, uh, Michael Bogdanov, or Michael Bogdanov. Have you never heard that name before? It rings a bell. Oh, anyway, so. Anyways, he he was he was from Wales, and what he wanted to do with with uh, Don Quixote was. Um... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving thirty three percent with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
play it the old-fashioned Shakespearean way. Actors' company comes to the theater, to the square, yeah. in the and is just performing in front of everybody. And now we're telling you we're uh, we're we're playing this here. And that was his idea: stick and cloth theater, no huge. I mean, just very simple things. And after a while, the the character of Don Quixote overcomes, overwhelms the the actor who actually thinks, which is like a double twist, that he's mm. Don Quixote. That was his idea, and unfortunately, I think it didn't it didn't really fully work. But now we're doing the same, and here it works perfectly, perfectly mm. because the first part of the of 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 the play. It's very funny because we're it's it's like the troop the the troop of of actors coming into town and we're only three people we're, we're playing that this with three people and the other two are wow. playing all the other parts I play Richard and it's very funny it's really everybody's laughing we're having a blast you and after a while that Richard character takes over my actor character and this is where the drama starts and that's and the end. I kill my fellow actors. Oh wow! And uh, I'm I'm alone on stage. So I think, and you know, it's like I I, oh, I played 250 times uh, King's Speech, and after a while, you 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 starting to stutter, and you don't want to go, and you think, oh, I don't want to play it 260 times. This is it now. I've done every time. I have to go to play Richard. I love it. I really, I'm, I'm looking forward. It's, it's fantastic. It's a great play. Brilliant. Wow. Going back to the screen, you've, you've obviously then worked with the, the Wachowskis and I believe you've done a film called Emperor with Lee Tamahori, who mm -hmm. died in the day. So what, what were they like? Uh, I haven't worked with both Wachowskis. I only worked with, uh, what, what is it? Lana, I think. Lana, exactly. Lana, which was which was funny she she is very she has a lot of positive energy and is really she's great and and lee is 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 a bit more difficult what what is what is really a shame that nobody nobody will probably ever see that film emperor um, yeah, yeah. which was uh, with uh, adrian brody and uh, a couple other good actors but unfortunately the the di director is uh, i think he's still uh, no the, not the director the producer is still in uh, in prison for tax fraud, 250 million or something like that. So this project will sit in the shelf forever, even though I was killing Rutger Hauer. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody will ever see that. Oh, what a shame. Oh. shame. I was looking at some of the other Bond actors you've been uh, in the same films as and acted alongside. Obviously, we mentioned Ray Fiennes, but Christoph Waltz, I believe, and... Yeah, Christoph. Yeah, yeah. Ola, Ola a pass from Skyfall. Mm -hmm. One of our, one of John's favourites, Anatole Taubman from Quantum. Elvis from our Quantum as well. So you've uh, <laughs> had, you've had uh, de dealings with many uh, many a box. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's called the family. Yeah. Oh. Is there a sense of the the Bond family? You know. Oh yeah, I think I, I, you you hear that quite often. But I it's um I, I I feel like that especially since I told you about the the the, the special um, mm. situation at the time, but I still have con contact with lots of them. I mean, I, I still have contact with Michelle, with Pierce, with the Barbara. 
Yeah. Uh, and for example, like two years ago, l- last year, two years ago, I was in Toronto and I saw Adelia Craig and I walked up to him and then he said, I'm, I'm Mr. Stemper from, and yeah, yeah. Hello. How are you doing? So it's like, it, it is a family kind of thing. Brilliant. Oh, that's so good that's to hear. It's, it's like the reputation of the franchise has for sort of looking after and looking out mm. for fellow actors and, and producers and people behind the scenes. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Roger Spottiswood, just tell us a bit more about him. What what kind of style does he have as a director? I think he was uh, uh, he was under a lot of pressure because the mm. studio had to release that film yeah. before for Christmas. He didn't. He, he and this is why they hadn't time to prep properly. This is why they had to rewrite and everything. It was. So and he was under that enormous pressure. I didn't have that much contact with him because he was under mm. under that that pressure bubble. Yeah. So it was, this is a bit sad, but um, yeah, I don't, I can't tell you mm. um, that many stories about Roger. But despite the pressure, I mean, you've got to be so proud of the final product because I mean, Tomorrow Never Dies is. It's probably the most action heavy out of every single one of the James Bond films, I'd say. I mean, the set pieces are absolutely superb in that film. Well, when you're shooting that, you don't feel that, that it's, you know, uh, being in, in, in Roger's position. He had to handle all that. And for example, when these, and things went wrong every once in a while, for example, we had a huge explosion in, in, the, in the stealth boat and we had to evacuate the stage and ooh, all that. And as, a, as an actor, you go like, oh, Something's going to happen. It's a freaking Bond film. You come back and uh, you do it tomorrow, day after tomorrow. They will bring you back, yeah. and and this will see uh, definitely the silver screen. That's for sure. But as a director, it, this is a totally different cup of tea. You go like, oh fuck, and if what if it, they don't like it? What if uh, you know they they will always blame me. They will never bl- blame the actors. They will never blame the, di- the 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 writer. They will never. They will blame the director. Mm. So just yeah. going back to what you um, said about Barbara Broccoli and the uh, casting before you said your immortal audition line. Um, she said there's an attractive German here uh, for the role. Yeah, I've actually just lost my question. The, basically, I want to know. <laughs> I, I want to know. I'm, I'm, get, I'm going shy again because um, basically there is a section of the Twitter and Instagram community who find Richard Stamper play by yourself, quite attractive. And, and without making this too cringeworthy, I'm going to hold my hand up and say I can. I am part of that group. Uh, so uh, what's it like being really hot in a Bond film is the question. I was, still, wow. I, was, I was trying to dress it up, but I failed miserably. Sorry. Well, the thing is... Uh, I just can't answer that. <laughs> what can I say? No, it's uh, it was great for me. It was fantastic. Uh, mm. And and you know what? It took a while actually for me to realize that it, it's a stigma. That's for sure. You are the James Bond villain. And I thought, you know, mm-hmm. guys, I'm not a James Bond villain. I'm an actor. I played in more than hundred films si- since. You know, like I'm an actor, but still, if you if. Uh, for Richard III on stage, you get Bond villain Götz Otto is playing Richard III. You yeah. go like, oh, mm. come on, guys. That's ridiculous. And yeah, that was 25 years ago. Yeah. But it took me a while. But now I think, mm. come on, it's fantastic. I mean, what the people have, have something to write, at least. Otherwise, they would just write Götz Otto. It doesn't, well, who knows? I mean, 
strange name. But James uh, Gertz Otto, James Bond villain. Wow, you have a you have a picture. So I'm I'm fine with that. I embrace so it. Good. That is good to hear. Yeah, I, there's there's pros and cons, aren't there? I suppose with all these things being a Bond film. Um, Otherwise, I wouldn't talk to you guys. But I was going to say, yes, apologies. Oh, we, well, we appreciate <laughs> it so much. Yeah, and, <laughs> and and there's such a massive Bond community that yeah, you know yeah. just love you. <laughs> you know, and and we just think you're great. So yeah. thank you for coming I, I, on. I, I, I I tried to convince Barbara. I said, Barbara, you know what? Because uh, you know, <laughs> Debbie called me once and said, "Do you know a, a really strong, menacing? It can be slightly older, but no. and it, uh, they were looking for what's his um, <sighs> the former wrestler, The Rock, Batista, <laughs> Batista, exactly, oh, Batista. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were casting that part, and and she called me and I said, and I called Barbara. I said, Barbara, genetic engineering can bring me back. It would be fantastic. <laughs> if stem back. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then, she, but then she said, "No, ah, oh guys, that won't work. <laughs> it's, it's too well. It, it's uh, it's too memorable." And uh, I was I was sad, but well, it's it's a good explanation why why I can't be in there again oh. because I'm too memorable. That's. Uh, yeah, I, I accept that. I accept that. So if if you blown up, that's it. That you can't come back. Uh, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, well, now, now it's up to the it's up to the fan base to do something, guys. Uh, well, well, don't worry. Got so straight after this, we are starting a Twitter storm of bring back Stamper. You know, yes. to it. Yeah, and I, t- I, I mean, it would be the start. I mean, genetic engineering. Come on, I mean that's uh, that. It's part of. I mean, it's could be perfect in Bond. I mean, it could p- yeah, fit yeah. perfectly. <laughs> you mentioned obviously the actors who you in, alongside the film. Michelle Yeoh is is so popular amongst Bond fans mm. for being a great Bond girl, and you always come back to her. You know, whenever the films come out, it's like mm-hmm. there's a character, a female character, as strong as her. So, what what was she like as a as a an actor and as a as a woman? She still is, by the way. She is. Uh, she's a lady. That's for sure. She is really a lady. Uh, she was a dancer before she became an actress, and she is. Um, she has. She's suffering a lot with her back. Even, like a lot of dancers have uh, problems with their body. So also during the filming, uh, suffering. But she took it with such a grace and so such a trooper. She is fantastic, and yeah, and uh, we had great times together. I must say, also with her with her personal assistant Philip Hemnell. Philip and I we. <laughs> Also had a lot of fun, um, not only on stage but also afterwards. And uh, another strange story I can tell you, because after a while, because they put me up in the Landmark Hotel in a suite, and I was there for a dinner, I think four months or something like that. And I thought, hotel guys, everybody is living in an apartment. Let me, uh, an apartment would be just fantastic. You you save some money, and and for me, I have more privacy because it, you're not shooting all the all the time, and and living in a hotel where you room service it gets to your fucking nerves you don't want to and and you want to hang something and you want to like feel at home but you can't and what they did was uh they didn't rent out an an apartment they rented out the apartment of Jacqueline Bisset oh in South Kensington just opposite of the Michelin building with a 80 square meter rooftop terrace it was 
fucking great. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and we were celebrating so many parties in that in that apartment. And uh, one day Michelle left, but Philip stayed. And it was Sunday morning, and we were standing. Uh, we were totally naked in a way, and uh, switching on the television. And suddenly, it is Casino Royale, the 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 original one, and it has Jacqueline Bisset in it. Yeah, and in she's looking straight yeah. into the camera. And Philip and I go, oh, she's looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> she knows that we're in her apartment. God damn it! <laughs> Switched <laughs> off the phone. It's like, oh fuck, uh, it's crazy. Oh, so there were good parties, and was was Pierce a good a good lad in a night out? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to say anything. You know? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> you you are in so much of the film. Yes, um, that you because sometimes you get the feeling when you hear. When you read interviews or listen to interviews with Bond actors, they almost feel a bit cheated that they don't get to go to the locations. Yeah. You know, it's all on Pinewood, you know, whatever. But you must have gone to most of those countries because mm. you're on the boat in Thailand. And I, was, in, I had one yeah. shooting day in Thailand and I was yeah. there for about two weeks at least, which was fantastic because I rented a scooter. And I drove along, and and the, 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 actually the production allowed me to do that, which was also great. Nowadays they wouldn't do that anymore. I had like a vacation, and uh, actually was it more than one day? Must have been. Oh, there was another funny story because um, when we drove to one of the, I mean, we always had a a yacht, a very modern yacht that would bring us to the location. It was I mean, Piers was on, on the yacht and, and Michelle and every, we were all on that thing and they drove us to the location. And it had a GPS tracking system and a sonar system, which was at the time fairly new. Mm. But unfortunately, the, the captain wasn't, I don't know what he did, but he was, he, how do you, how, how do you call that? He ran the boat on sand. How, how did you say that? Run aground? Yeah, he ran aground on sand. So he didn't, there was no leak or anything, but he couldn't move anymore. So, or the, the yacht couldn't, could, couldn't move anymore. So he, he the, the captain himself, he, 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 uh, he jumped into the water trying to setting free the boat and everything. And, and we were all like, what the fuck is going on? What's he doing in there? And, it's like, it, and, and then he's coming up, the captain, and he was looking at Pierce and he said, oh, please. Don't kill me, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Don't kill me, Mr. Bond. I did a, I did a mistake. Don't kill me. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, uh, you can imagine. I had some fun on that on that shoot. Got some hamburgers features prominently. So that coming from Germany, was it was it you, you wanted to go a bit further afield than Hamburg? <laughs> Yeah, well, for me it was great because I had my my crew party in Hamburg. So I rented a pretty not a club, more like a music cafe, and I rented it out. And we had and I invited the entire crew to come there and party because I thought, well, this is home ground, home turf. Uh, come, let's have a party, and it was another great party. <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> oh my god! Yes, I did work as well, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Picture of Michael G. Wilson dancing there. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Obviously yeah. Barbara as well. Yeah. Barbara, yeah, and and Ellswit. My God. Oh right. 
Oh really? <laughs> Robert was he the direct? Is he the director of photography? photography yeah. <laughs> what, what about Jonathan Price? I love yes. Jonathan Price to pieces. Yeah. You must have spent quite a lot of time with him. Yeah, sure. I, um, we uh, went out having dinner quite often, and uh, what can I tell about that? Because uh, this is getting private here. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he was on his best behaviour during. The uh, yeah, no, 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 absolutely, absolutely, no, no. It's a. Uh, uh, <laughs> I really mean that. It's like it was great. No, he's a, he's a um, fantastic thespian. I was just adding on the back because although David is right that you are in so so much of the film, there's one deleted scene that I have always been devastated has never been included in the film, and that's when you actually stamp on someone's head. <laughs> Now you've you've answered the question already because I was going to ask about is that the origin of the name Stamper? But you've obviously shown like that it wasn't. Uh, well, I just suppose I'm asking: Would it been even better to have had that aspect of your character where he actually stamps on people's head? <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there is the first sequence where you, where you see my character, and this is when uh, we sunk uh, the 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 well, HMS Devonshire. Devonshire exactly, and we're coming with the stealth bout, and I have uh, the machine gun, and I shoot them. <laughs> And I thought, and we shot that actually. And this is this is really this is even more set than it's not in the film than stamping on someone's head, okay. because it was not the first sequence I shot. But at the time, my character was already established as being German, and there is a very famous German lullaby that goes, "Alle meine Entchen schwimmen auf dem See, schwimmen auf dem See." Köpfchen in das Wasser, Schwänzchen in die Höhe, which is all the little ducklings are swimming on the lake, they're putting their heads into, into the water and their tail goes up. And I, I thought, it, and we filmed it, it would be fantastic. Oh. Oh. Richard Stemper would shoot all those poor sold, uh, sailors and go like, alle meine Entchen, poor ducklings are swimming on the lake, swimming on the lake, down goes their head, and oh my comes gosh. the tail. Oh. That, uh, and I'm oh. sad about that one. That is so bond as well. How we, we shot it. Brilliant. I mean, as it is, that sequence is in just incredibly violent for a bomb film. I know you don't see any of the bullets hit, but I think it's your expression. When you say later on, I am told the footage is excellent. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can thoroughly. You don't, you don't need to see it. It's just, yeah. and I think is that. I mean, obviously, you got a gigantic machine gun, but you are like grinning the entire time. It's, it is. Like, yeah, at least the grinning state, uh, because yeah. I, I, I want to, I wanted to have, I wanted to show a, a, somebody who is really who enjoys what mm. he's doing. My word. Mm. Yeah. But I, I think one of the differences between lots of it, because there are other, you know, big blonde henchmen in Bond. I mean, if you go back to Red Grant in From mm -hmm. Russia with Love, you know, that's that's the first one. And then you, you've got the ones who really don't say 
a lot or anything like the one in You Only Live Twice. But I always get the feeling that Stamper is actually quite clever as well. He's he's actually really witty. I love the line, what is it? Drop it, Mr. Bond, or I drop your friend when, when, you, when you've got Wei, Wei Lin on there. Drop it, Mr. Bond, or I drop your friend. It's over, Stamper. Let her go. Not between you and me. James, try to detonate it. Missile will set them off. Never argue with a woman. We're always right. So was that something you were conscious of? You didn't just want him to be like a, a mute kind of physical presence? Well, I was really happy that I had the, the, the opportunity to be some to bring a bit more into that. That probably has also to do with the fact that we were con- continuously writing the the, the mm. scenes because, mm. as I said in the beginning, he was standing around uh, a lot and uh, yeah, and and he was more like trying to protect Carver all the time, didn't yeah. attack Bond, and and that somehow turned he he became more like um, a an. an, an an individual threat to Bond than uh, than it was before, and I'm really glad that it turned out that way. You do a lot of the stunts yourself mm-hmm. as well, because there's loads of action scenes you're in. Not yeah, I had a, I had a very good double stunt, double those, but I tried to do it as much as possible. Stupid me. <laughs> I still have a scar here from Piers, by the way. Oh right, <laughs> because he stabbed me, fucking. <laughs> Green, just keep smiling. Yeah. Yeah. For cover. It's payback time. <laughs> it's such a good fight, though. And we haven't had that many end fights in the in the Bond films recently. So I always love a good battle with the henchmen and Bond. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and I, you know what? And, and I'm the last to survive. Well, not I, yeah. but Stemper. Yeah. Um, mm. Normally, it's the, the the bad guy who is, or the main villain who is the last one mm. still standing. Obviously, yeah. like Jonathan Price is is more the sort of businessman. He's not a physical threat. So Stamper is so key to being the physical threat for Bond. And mm. he's one who you think, heck, Bond's got to beat him to complete the mission. So I love that, yeah. Last uh, last question I've sort of got about appearance. The, the You said you went in bald to the audition. Whose idea was the bleached blonde oh, hair? Not mine. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
not mine for sure. Why? Um, <laughs> well, uh, come on. I mean, if somebody's offering you a part in the James Bond film, you mm. do whatever they want you to do, and yeah, it, yeah. you're chopping off your arm, you know. And the bleach blonde, I knew that it would be a lot of time, a, a, a lot of stress for the hair, blah, 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 blah. But looking back now, it's an icon it, itself. You so know? distinctive. It's so yeah. distinctive. And um, yeah. unfortunately, I had a couple, for example, I had a French director who wanted une brosse blonde, comme dans le bon film. And, you know, I did that. It's been there, done the, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. not going back there. And, uh, yeah. and um, but he wanted that. And, oh, that was uh, Oh, a huge struggle. And also it it helps for me, or it helped at the time for me to, you know, with the eye and the blonde hair and that fantastic suit and everything, you are already a character. You don't have to mm -hmm. like, you, you You just have to, you just have to fill that, you know? Yeah. It, it helped me a lot to, to handle and work with that character because the the superficial or the 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 look itself was so strong and i, I loved it i still love it i think it's great yes and it, it means that when you do other films as well you're not instantly oh look that's the guy from tomorrow never dies because you, you're yourself yeah yeah it's you, you can easier dive into different parts different characters because you know that's yeah. it's so outstanding so, so I, it's me, but I've, I'm happy that, that I didn't have to wear a weird, I don't know, makeup or whatever like that. It's still my face. But um, yeah, it's very, I'm happy that it turned out like that. What was it, what was it like at Pinewood? Because the sets are just incredible. Was I mean, assuming a lot of that was on sets, like the, the interiors of the stealth ship and all that sort of stuff. What was a bit weird that we shot at the same time as the League of Gentlemen. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Sean Connery was there as well. Hmm. Wow. In, on the lot next to ours. That was a bit weird. I mean, not for me, but I yeah. think for Pierce it was strange and for um, some of the production people it was weird because they worked with him. I mean, it's like... And um, mm. and and I met him once in the Momos. I'm not quite sure if that still exists, the, oh, yeah. the restaurant. And wow, he had a fantastic aura. He was really... I was flabbergasted, really, like... Ooh sitting there great guy fantastic wow proper movie star isn't he yeah oh absolutely who would you say your favorite james bond is of all the actors all six of them that's easy there's one i know best yes <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah Make us <laughs> and yeah. i mean i uh, and now i mean now even james bond knows how to die not on a cruise missile but be killed with the rocket yeah yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if Bond can come Payback back... Payback time, guys. Stamper can surely come back, I think. I yeah. owe you an unpleasant death, Mr. Bond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dare I say your, your death was more emotional than uh, Jim Bond. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I take you've seen it then, Gertz. You've seen the new stuff. <laughs> I saw it, yeah. Just ruined it for you, you know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I saw it. Yeah, this is why I say that with the with the with the missile. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you got yeah. hit by a missile. <laughs> do you prefer the? Do you, do you like the sort of more serious Bond? Because it, it's quite different to Tomorrow Never Dies in a way, isn't it? The sort of it's more of oh yeah, fun action film. It's uh, you're asking the private person here, and and me personally, I think it was 
it was a great start with Casino Royale when they somehow reinvented the, yeah. the 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 character and 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 brought it to somewhere else because you had all those other uh, secret agents, all the um, anyways, you know, all the other uh, friend, even franchise, some every every once in a while, yeah. but. Um, so they they needed to do something, and I when I when I saw the first one, when I saw Casino Royale, I was really I was convinced that that could work. But now I think, well, it's not witty anymore. It's not funny anymore. And sometimes I don't understand. I don't get the story. God damn it! I think sometimes the story is is a bit lame. <laughs> and you go, what? hold on a second. What are they doing with that? What is that with the water somewhere? Okay, well, and what is this, this, this basin there? This blubbering, and what are they doing? And you're falling inside. You're dead. But hold on a second. But it should be something with that is in your body, not outside your body. What are you? So many question marks I have, and so many questions I'm asking myself sometimes. And um, I would accept that if it would be more funny. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in 20 years' time, people yeah. will go, oh, yeah, that wasn't so far-fetched. I mean, there are people, and I, d I d generally don't get on with these people, who say that Tomorrow Never Dies is a far-fetched story about starting a war for ratings, but I've been defending it since 1997. You know what? One thing is that is really, that is really sad, because if you look at modern telecommunication or modern mm. communication in general, what we didn't have in Tomorrow Never Dies, and it was there already, is the internet. Yeah. Mm. It would have been just amazing. What what a look into the future would have that been yeah. if if it wouldn't have been the the classical media print and all that. If somebody would have mentioned something like the internet and how you can manipulate people with the internet. I mean, because the the, the media man manipulation. I mean, is is in there, but it's yeah. not now. What's what what's happening now is is way more effective, way yeah. more brutal, way more. Uh, so it's that's really that's really sad that we didn't have it in the film. It's, it's when Carver says, "I want us on the air twenty four hours a day," and you look at it now and you go, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. This yeah. is our moment." Because <laughs> <laughs> he's rewriting the headlines, isn't he? Which is yeah. speaking to the internet, isn't it? Yeah. But brilliant. We've really loved having you here. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, can't wait to watch Tomorrow Never Dies again, basically. Now. Oh, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I, yesterday I watched a film that I haven't seen at all because it was so bad. A French <laughs> film called Gunblast Vodka, a film I shot in Poland like two or three films after, and it was so horrible. And it was such a horrible experience to watch that film. Sometimes it's really no fun to watch old films. Yeah. You, it's really. Oh, sometimes it is. So um, have fun watching tomorrow. And oh, we will do. We will do. It was great fun uh, talking to you. You, you too. Yeah, you very too. much. Thank, Thank you, guys. Okay, take care. Bye, take bye. Care. bye. Take bye. care. Bye, bye. Really the best.
like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.